0: I'm really excited to get to share the word with you today. It's always a joy to be in this house, um, but especially to get to share the word of God because I just love it so much. Um, If we had not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Danny Hardy, and I'm the communications pastor here at Grace. And today I get to talk to you about two of my favorite things. Um, I'm going to talk about worship and my Jesus. And for me, it just doesn't get any better than that. Um, those of you who are like, oh man, we just finished worship. Now we're going to talk about worship. Just hang in with me. Deal? Um, I want to tell you a little bit why worship is so significant in my life. Um, I've, I've always been a musical person and worship is just um, the way that I connect with the Lord. But also um, my husband Dusty and I, he's the handsome worship pastor who stands over here and plays the guitar. Um, <laughs> just a little shout out there. Um, <laughs> um, he and I have been in ministry together for 12 years. And the first 10 years of that time were spent leading worship. And so it's one of the first things that attracted me to him is because just seeing the way that he loves the Lord and seeing the way that he worships before the Lord um, just stole my heart. And so it's been something that unifies us in our marriage um, and our family. So worship is... One of my favorite things. So to get to talk to you about it today is really fun for me. We have to understand that worship is not just music, right? Worship is a lifestyle. So our worship before the Lord is our lifestyle of gratitude that we live out. And today we're going to talk about the thing that distinguishes the average life from the exceptional life. The thing that distinguishes average from exceptional, and that is sacrifice. Big response, <laughs> right? Like it sounds, oh, I want to talk about sacrifice. Sacrifice sounds hard, but sacrifice is widely accepted across our culture. You want to get ahead at work, you want to get ahead in your career, sacrifice. You might sacrifice time with your family, you might sacrifice by going into work early, by staying late, by continuing your education, by making that investment in your career, sacrifice. Sacrifice. You want to make physical gains. You want to lose weight. You want to gain muscle, whatever it might be. You make sacrifices. You get up early to go to the gym. You sacrifice certain things that you shouldn't eat, things that you need to eat instead. Sacrifice. And it's widely accepted, right? But in our relationship with the Lord, we're sometimes less willing to sacrifice. We're less willing to get up early. We're less willing to go the extra mile. We're less willing to do our part because we sort of sit back and see what God's going to add to the equation. We sit back to see what he'll do instead of us doing our part too. And so sacrifice is not as exciting per se in our spiritual walk. But for all, throughout all of our faith history, sacrifice is essential And it's been an integral part of worship, so much so that we can say, where there is no sacrifice, there is no worship. Where there is no sacrifice, there is no worship. And we see this as an example in Hebrews. We're going to start in Hebrews 13 today. We're just going to jump on in. In verse 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually Not on Sundays, not a couple of hours a week, not one day a week, or just when we feel like it. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So for those of you who are like, I was singing in my heart, come on, that was funny. (laughs) I was singing in my heart. I was amening in my heart. No, this says it's a fruit of the lips to profess his name. The fruit of lips to profess his name. And then in verse 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So by looking at this, we can see that worship is not about our circumstance. Because it doesn't say worship when God gives you what you want. Worship when things are going well. Worship on Sundays. It says worship continually. Let us offer continually a sacrifice of praise. And so it is not based on our circumstance. Instead, it is based on our view of who God is. And don't you know that some days, worshiping at all is a sacrifice? When the days are hard, and the times are really tough, and things are really low, worshiping at all is a sacrifice before the Lord. So we're going to look at this idea of sacrifice and worship through the lens of the psalms. And I think I just lost a few more of you. You're like, oh, now we're going to talk about psalms, <laughs> right? Um, psalms, are, they're not that hard to understand, but we have to engage a different part of ourselves to understand the psalms. And so psalms t- help us to understand that even if things don't look good, that God still is good. Even if things don't look good, he still is good. And they're poems and prayers and songs that were collected over time to teach us how to pray, to teach us how to worship, to teach us about the Lord. And so there's something that God gave to us for us to give back. To him. But when we read them, we have to read them not only with our head, but also with our heart. Because the psalmists were interested in telling us how things felt more so than what things meant. And so if we only read them with our head, we will never really understand them. But we have to engage our heart because they are leading us to the feelings that we have about the Lord. And so we're going to look today at some psalms that are written by David. But I want us to understand and remember who David is because that gives us important insight into understanding the psalms. So a quick recap of David. We talked about him a few times. So David is the chosen king of Israel. He was anointed as a young boy by Samuel. And when Samuel went to anoint him, he was overlooked by his own father, right? Called in last from the field as the potential appointed. So he was overlooked by his own father. Then Daniel was a shepherd, so he was out guarding and protecting his sheep, and he killed a bear, killed a lion protecting his sheep. This same David later on went to face Goliath the giant, defeated him, killed him. Okay, David is the same one who, as a teenager, spent time with King Saul playing music for him. King Saul was tormented, and so David played music for him and helped him find relief from his torment. Then Saul became fearful of him and jealous of him and threatened his life. So David ran away and fled and hid in the back of a cave, again unseen. Then David, when he was finally appointed as king, knew some sin, committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, She became pregnant, and then he had her husband killed on the front lines of the war. Okay. So David knew what it was to be publicly celebrated. Whoa, David killed a giant. Yeah, that's our man right there. Right? I guess that's how it went. (laughs) Publicly celebrated, but snared by his own sin. He knew what it was to be in the spotlight and in the cave. He knew what it was to be desperate for God and alone in his fear. He knew how all of those things felt. We could go so far as to saying that David was a man's man, right? Man's man. Killed a lion, killed a bear, killed a giant. Man's man. I don't think any of y'all have done any of those things, (laughs) right? Man's man. King of Israel. He's a man's man, but he had a song to sing before the Lord. Don't be mistaken that our strength and our toughness disqualifies us from being tender before the Lord. We can be this and that. David was this and that. David was strong and tough and self-reliant, but he was tender and broken before the Lord. We can be this and that. So he was a man's man, but he is connected to 73 of the 150 Psalms. We will not read all 73 today. You're welcome. (laughs) But David helps us understand that even in difficult circumstances, we can lift a sacrifice of praise before the Lord. So today, the first one we're going to look at is Psalm 142. And this is written by David when he was in the back of the cave, hidden and unseen. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. You hear that complaint? When my spirit grows faint or weary within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Listen to this shift. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Amen. David, he's willing to pour out his complaint before the Lord. He's willing to share his weariness and his loneliness and his frustration, but he doesn't stop there. He continues on. He shifts into that sacrifice of praise where he says, no one is looking out for me, but you are my refuge. He is willing to say, you are are my portion in the land of the living. You rescue me. Nobody's looking out for me, but I trust you. And then don't miss this in the last verse. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. From the back of a cave pleading to be set free. Make no mistake, my friends. When we are at our lowest, people will watch how we worship. They will watch how we worship. They will watch to see if the God we talk about on our good days is still worthy of our worship on our worst days. So how we praise the Lord from the back of the cave, it matters. Because people are watching. And that's what points them to Jesus when they see that you can trust this good God on your worst day, they believe they can trust him too. So how we praise in our hurt matters. Let's look at Psalm 143. I'm going to jump around a couple of verses. We're going to start in verse four. So my spirit grows faint within me or weary. My heart within me is dismayed or distressed. But then in verse six, I spread out my hands to you. Oh, to say you're worthy. I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. You hear that brokenness. And here's the sacrifice of praise. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Do you hear it? Do you hear the frustration and the weariness and the complaint, but that he goes on to make a sacrifice of praise? He goes on to remind himself To remind himself that God is good. To remind himself that God is worthy of being trusted. To remind him that his circumstances do not determine his worship, but his view of God determines his worship. And I love in this verse, in verse 8, where he says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Have you ever had those seasons? That felt like the longest nights. Like the bad just kept coming. And it just kept coming. And you didn't know when it was ever going to end. And you're just praying for mourning. You're just praying for relief. Scripture tells us that his mercies are new every morning. The morning is coming just as the sun rises and brings a new day. So the sun has come and has given us everlasting life. The morning is is on its way and it brings us good news of his unfailing love so if you're in a season of dark and things are really hard remember in the dark what you knew in the light remember in the dark that he is good and that he is for you so david understood long seasons of suffering but he still had a song to sing Because he knew that his worship wasn't about his circumstances. His worship was on behalf of a good and holy God. He had a song to sing. And so I just wonder, church, do we have a song to sing? Do you have a song to sing? When you came in here this morning, did you offer before the Lord a sacrifice of praise? Did you lay before him the circumstances of your life, but then say, you know what? You're good, and you are God, and I will worship you. Did you offer him a sacrifice of praise? Or did you sit back and watch the band offer their sacrifice of praise? I've been there. I've sat right there and done it. I've sat and watched the band offer a sacrifice of praise because I didn't bring my own before the Lord. If we come in here each and every week and we're unmoved by the presence of God and we stand with our arms crossed or our hands in our pockets, I just wonder if we understand. I just wonder if we understand what he's done for us. Maybe if our arms are crossed, we don't understand the cross. Maybe if our our hands are in our pockets, we don't understand the nail-scarred hands that bore our sin on the cross. Maybe we don't get it. Because when we get it, we have a sacrifice of praise. We have gratitude for what he's done for us. And I want to be clear on this. If you're brand new in this room and you're just giving this whole Jesus thing a shot... Your very presence in the room is your sacrifice of praise. Your very presence is your sacrifice. And I'm like crazy glad you're here. So thank you for offering a sacrifice of praise before the Lord for showing up. But if we walk in these doors every week and we go out beyond these walls and our lives never tell the story of the gospel, do we really get it? Do we really get it? if we're not offering him a sacrifice of praise, I just wonder if we understand. Because there's a broken world out there and they need to know this gospel story. They need to know this Jesus who our hope rests in. But if we come in here, if we can't come in here and worship in a house of the Lord, how will we ever go out there and take worship into the world? If we can't come in here and put it all on the line before our Father amongst our brothers and sisters, how will we ever go out there and battle in a world that is broken? How will we do it? Because they need this word. They need to see it alive in us. And it starts here. So let's show up as people who are bringing a sacrifice of praise before the Lord, because there's a world in need, and they need it to be alive in us. Our song to sing, it matters. Our praise is never about our shifting and ever-changing circumstances. It is about our always consistent God. The toughness, the difficulty of our circumstances never changes His character. So, we always have a reason to worship. There's no good reason under the sun that we don't worship Him with everything that we are and everything that we have. We have no good reason because Jesus is alive. Jesus came, He owed us nothing. He owes us nothing. And He's given us everything. He looked throughout all of eternity. And he saw me. And he didn't say, I owe it to her. He said, I love her. And I'm going after her. He looked through all of eternity and he saw you. And he said, oh, that one right there. I'm going after her. It is out of his great love for us that he came and that he left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a brutal death, went to hell, conquered it all, overcame sin, overcame death, came back to life, gave us the keys to victory and set us free. And now we have everlasting life. Like what else is there? If that, yes, yes. If that doesn't get our hallelujah, I don't know what does. If the good news of Jesus doesn't get our hallelujah, then what does? And the truth is, is that if this story, if if these words have become numb to you, like maybe you've heard them so many times and it's the same old thing every single time and it's just not hitting you like it used to, it's because you've built up walls. Because this story never loses its power. It never loses its power. And he is always worthy of our worship. If we can't see the beauty of who he is, maybe we've got scales on our eyes of distractedness or busyness or self-absorption, and we can't see the beauty of who Jesus is. Because when we can see the beauty of who he is, our only response is to worship him. Because when we can see him, we can clearly see ourselves. And our response is gratitude worship. Psalm 144 and 9, it says, I will sing a new song to you, my God. Every new day brings a new song. And you never know if a day is going to bring the worst news of your life or the best news of your life. But when you know who holds your days, it doesn't matter. Because if you know he holds the best days and he holds the worst days, then you know on any day he's deserving of our praise. He is always deserving, no matter how our circumstances shift. Always worthy. But whatever song you have to sing today, sing it. Just sing it before the Lord. If you're in a season of sorrow, sing it before the Lord. Lay it out before him. But don't stop there. Remember to give to him the profession of our mouth that says you are good and you are mighty and you are powerful and you are deserving of our praise and I will worship you. If you've got grief or you've got despair, sing it, sing it before the Lord. But don't stop there. Remember to tell him how good he is. It's no good to pretend you're in a different season because he already knows where you are. So sing the song you have to sing. When David had despair, he sang it. When he had sorrow, he sang it. But in all of it, he gave God glory and he gave God praise because it was a sacrifice of his heart. I'm not saying that worship has to look the same for everybody. There's no recipe that says this is worship. If you raise your hands on the chorus of this one song, on the next song, you raise your hands on the verse, like there's no recipe. That's not what I'm saying. It doesn't have to look the same for everybody, but it has to be a sacrifice. If your song of sorrow is your sacrifice, then sing it. It doesn't have to look the same, but it has to be a sacrifice. And don't you know that we're created as emotional beings? We're created as expressive people. And that you know that joy, oh yes, it has a posture. Don't you know that victory, oh yes, we won, has a posture. And sadness and grief. They all have a posture, and they are all pleasing before the Lord when they come from a place of sacrifice, when it's us sacrificing our desires, when it's us sacrificing our expectations, when it's us sacrificing what somebody might think about us, when it's us sacrificing our sin, when it's us sacrificing our lives for the glory of his name, he receives it as an offering of praise. It doesn't have to look the same, but it has to be a sacrifice. And David knew what it was to give a sacrifice of praise before the Lord. He was a man's man, but he had a song to sing. Man's man, but had an offering, a sacrifice of praise before the Lord. His story is one of great redemption and great purpose and great worship. And all of our stories can be exactly the same. Across this room, everybody has a story, right? I don't know all of your stories, but I know a lot of our stories in this room. There are people in this room who have been delivered from great addictions, powerful addictions. And they are now new in Christ. And now with a sober and clear mind, they are bent on praising the Lord. People who have been incarcerated and who are now free and who have been set free by Jesus Christ and are bent on praising the Lord. People who have been delivered from feelings of abandonment, and rejection, and fear, and greed, and jealousy, and pride, and on, and on, and on. And when we are a people who know that we have been forgiven of much, our response is great worship. I know what I'm capable of, and so do David, and so do you. You know what you're capable of, and therefore you know what you've been delivered from. And when we know what we've been delivered from, our response is great worship before the Lord. Because he is always deserving of our praise. But we have to understand it. We have to understand with our heads and with our hearts who Jesus is, what he's done, and who we really are. Because when we get all of those things in the right order, we worship And David knew this. And David did this. And I want to be a person after God's heart just like David was. With a sacrifice of praise always on my lips. And a life that looks like I've been changed because I have. And I believe that that's what you want to. And it starts with a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and join me up here. and We're going to end a little differently today. We're going to look at one final psalm that was written by David. And in this psalm, we can understand that David knew what it looked like to be publicly celebrated. He was the king. He was publicly celebrated but privately shamed. He knew what it was to hear applause and to hear shame in his head. But he still had a sacrifice of praise before the Lord. So as we read this last Psalm, church, it is my prayer, it is my hope, it is the joy of my life that we would be a people who are bent on praise. That we are a people, if we have to go here or go here or do this or do that, no matter what we have to do to offer a sacrifice of praise before the Lord, that we would be eager to do it. Psalm 145. My heart explodes with praise to you. Now and forever, my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day I will lift up my praise to your name with praises that will last throughout eternity. Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise for there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. Generation after generation will declare more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Your magnificent splendor and the miracles of your majesty are my constant meditation. Your awe-inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. Mm. I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. Our hearts bubble over as we celebrate the fame of your marvelous beauty, bringing bliss to our hearts. We shout with ecstatic joy over your breakthrough for us. You are kind and tender hearted to those who don't deserve it, and very patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. God, everyone sees your goodness for your tender love is blended into everything you do. Everything you have made will praise you, fulfilling its purpose. And all your godly lovers will be found bowing before you. They will tell the world of the lavish splendor of your kingdom and preach about your limitless power. They will demonstrate for all to see your miracles of might and reveal the glorious majesty of your kingdom. You are the Lord who reigns over your never-ending kingdom through all the ages of time and eternity. You are faithful to fulfill every promise you have made. You manifest yourself as kindness in all you do weak and feeble ones you will sustain those bent over with burdens of shame you will lift up you have captured our attention and the eyes of all look to you you give what they hunger for at just the right time when you open your generous hand it's full of blessings satisfying the longings of every living thing You are fair and righteous in everything you do, and your love is wrapped into all your works. You draw near to those who call out to you, listening closely, especially when their hearts are true. Every one of your godly lovers receives even more than what they ask for, for you hear what their hearts really long for, and you bring them your saving strength. God, you watch carefully over all your lovers like a bodyguard, but you will destroy the ungodly. I will praise you, Lord. Let everyone everywhere join me in praising the beautiful Lord of holiness from now through eternity. Come on church, he is worthy and deserving of our praise.
1: Where you lost your life